Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast series, In Conversation With. Hello and welcome to the Global Cosmetics News Podcast. Today, on our anniversary edition, we'll be talking about the rising demand for vegan beauty products. And first, it's my pleasure to introduce our panellists. In the studio with me today, we have Diego Ortiz de Zavallos, who's Global Brand Development Director at The Body Shop. We have Dominika Minavarek, co-founder at Bybee Beauty. Natasha Samek, who's Strategy Director at Butterfly Cannon. And joining us on the phone, we have Elodie Carpentier, founder of Le Rouge Foncé, and Dominica Piaseca, who's media and PR officer at the Vegan Society. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Thank you for having us. So, Veganary was declared 2019 as the year of the vegan, and it's certainly true that beauty's following suit. Let's start by defining the term in the beauty sphere. What does vegan beauty mean? And if we go to Domi for this from the Vegan Society. Yes, so you've actually asked the right person because the word vegan actually came up from the Vegan Society back in 1944. So with um, vegan cosmetic products, we define them as products that contain no animal ingredients and that they have also not been tested on animals in any way. So whether it's the ingredient or the finalized product, um, so that's something that we require in order to register a product as vegan. And Dominica, coming from the other Dominica, sorry, <laughs> coming from a vegan brand, do you want to add to that? What, what are your specific policies? I think for us, um, we always wanted to be a vegan brand and a cruelty-free brand. And I think we always set out to have both of those certifications and registrations because they're not kind of mutually defining of each other. So a lot of people think that brands that are certified cruelty-free are also vegan, which is not the case. So we were really kind of keen to, to kind of order our entire supply chain to make sure that there was no kind of animal harm in any process of ours. So yeah, getting registered for both was really important. And I think it's fair to say something that started off relatively niche has now turned into something that consumers are demanding more and more, and few of the mainstream are pledging to become entirely vegan. Let's talk a little bit about who is in on the game, who's not yet. Diego, do you want to start? Is the body shop going vegan? We're Cruelty Free International certified at the moment. We have a catalogue that is 100% vegetarian, um, and over a 60% of our products today are vegan. Um, we choose uh, to formulate still with honey and beeswax for the cosmeticity of the product. However, we make sure that that supply chain is incredibly ethical and we, we make sure that to keep our, our bee population um, happy. So great vegan products in the portfolio at the moment. And we were happy to keep adding vegan uh, NPD for the future. So we've said that all of our NPD moving forward is going to be vegan. So eventually you might come to a point where it's 100%? Oh, we will explore the option for the future, of course. And what is the motivation for completely changing? We see that vegan is more than, than, than a food choice at the moment. Uh, we can see it uh, trickling down to beauty. I mean, the trend is one of the biggest trends that has ever existed. Um, we see that, for example, in, in the UK, uh, the population of vegans have, has uh, multiplied by five in the past, uh, in the past years. Uh, populations around the world are about three to eight percent, Australia being one of the biggest. And we understand vegan by being this next step 
to what cruelty-free meant for us. You know, in the body shop, we started campaigning for cruelty-free ban for animal testing in 1989 with Anita. So we've been 30 years in the making and vegan is really taking that formulation to the next step. A lot of our customers today um, are vegan, they're passionate, they're activists. So it's really in line with with our principles uh, and our ethics as a brand. So we want to be able to, of course, provide our customers with with a catalog of products that they can identify with. It's a global growing trend and we want to make sure that we serve that wave. Elodie, is vegan about cruelty-free or is it more about environmental motivations? Uh, hi, so yeah, uh, for me as the founder and the 100% funded um, uh, company, uh, we started uh, to um, to be uh, really focused uh, on the formulation of the clean product for the health, but also to protect the planet and environment with our biosource packaging. But um, as a, a vegetarian Myself and the activists, uh, it was really uh, important to have a global view, uh, so to be uh, for sure certified vegan and cruelty-free, but also uh, to have um, an ethical um, global way of working to, to protect also uh, the planet. For me, it's really linked. And uh, when we discuss with our customer, they are really in phase with this view. So it's a global view. And Natasha, from a brand strategy point of view, if you were coming into the market now, do you think that brands would be automatically going for a vegan option? Uh, Not necessarily. Um, One of the challenges we have is that sometimes people come up to us and say, we want to be vegan. Do we have a stamp on it? Or do we have a range that's vegan? Or do we class ourselves as vegan? And I think for us, it's really important that veganism is really part of your values rather than just your branding. As a brand, you've got to come across as expert skin kegs that's what people want and veganism is part of your values rather than just a range or a PR story or a specific skew or product that you can talk about so that's the challenge with us with brands it's like how do you include veganism into your brand story rather than just as an add-on. Who is the vegan market catering for? Is this just a millennial Gen Z thing or are older consumers interested in it? Uh, Diego do you want to start us off? Our, our customer studies show that it really is a, a young phenomenon at the moment. About a third of, uh, of the vegan population uh, are millennials. Interestingly enough, it's a ratio of five to one women to men. So we really see this resonating in the beauty industry, of course. And these are people that will favor the environment over, over smoking, um, over, over kind of bad habits in a way. Um, so we see the trend growing from them. However, we also see a lot of conscious consumers on the 35-plus age range. So even though the trend is being um, kind of pushed by, by the young population, it's something that we can see across, across the board. Is that something that the Vegan Society um, agrees with, Dominica? Well, actually, from our research, which we did last year, it seems that the ratio is two to one women to men. So about 66% of um, vegans in the UK currently are women, whereas 33% are men, which is quite a significant number still. So I would say that companies shouldn't neglect men at all in terms of um, product development. And the great thing about vegan cosmetics is that they are inclusive of everyone. So whether you are vegan, vegetarian, maybe a follower of a certain religion, or you're trying to have, um, you know, 
know, more natural ingredients in your beauty products. Those values appeal to everybody. So actually, vegan cosmetics are not just for those who follow a vegan lifestyle, but they are inclusive of everybody. And if a company would like to um, sort of move towards veganizing their products, if you like, it's something that the vegan society can assist with. So we have helped some companies to reformulate their products and include some vegan alternatives to some ingredients which were derived from animals. So it can certainly be done and the products can still be a high quality one and inclusive of everybody. And in terms of definition, do we think that consumers see vegan and assume other things that perhaps aren't connected to the term? So if we take the pure definition, no animal content, are consumers also muddling that in with clean, environmentally friendly, ethical, etc.? What do you think, Dominica, in the studio? Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what all of those terms mean, really. And it's up to the brands to be really clear in their definitions and actually their values. Um, so veganism for us is interlinked um, with a multitude of values that we hold as a brand and as founders as well. And I think um, that really nods back to the kind of branding piece as well. These things really have to hold true to the kind of like backbone of the business and the ethics. Um, because consumers just don't have that understanding what is organic, what is natural, what is vegan what is cruelty free and that's exactly um, kind of nodding back to my earlier point about getting those multitude of certifications and not just relying on veganism or cruelty free to be our seal of approval in terms of ethics because they all are meaning different things and it's really important to make a clear definition as to what your end goal is and veganism for us is very much interlinked to our environmental values um, absolutely animal byproducts have no place in our beauty products they don't provide any benefit for performance from our point of view and there's just no need to put you know animals in danger from a testing point of view or you know an ingredient point of view but it also resonates with our environmental values and that's why we're natural that's why we're a sustainable brand um, and that's why we're cruelty free and vegan but you know it doesn't mean just because we're vegan we're all of those other things and I think it's really important for brands to make their definitions really clear because absolutely vegan doesn't mean clean doesn't mean natural doesn't mean organic so there's a lot of misconceptions that need to be very much ironed out from a marketing and branding perspective as well. Elodie, what's your perspective on that? It's a really difficult question because um, uh, my colleague mentioned that uh, uh, it's not clear for uh, for all the consumer and it's true. And um, as a really uh, edgy company, we wanted to have um, an engagement for um, protect and respect the animal, but animal in general, uh, like we hold equal uh, in your philosophy. Uh, and um, that means um, animal, but also a human animal and non-human animal. Uh, and for uh, human animal, we think it's more to be focused on the protection of the health of people by sourcing organic ingredients and good for your health. So, for example, uh, we know that we have a lot of uh, allergens and controversial compounds that you can find in the different formulations. And when you take off all this stuff and you have minimalist formulation, uh, you can really decrease the expectation from the answer of the expectation of your customer. So it's not really easy to take this choice. Uh, and we are indie brand, so we are not a big company. So we just want to um, to show the path to the big company. But um, the customer needs also to understand that they need to decrease uh, their expectation on the product 
uh, in terms of performance if they want to have a vegan, cruelty-free, organic and 100% natural product. And so it's a change of uh, consul- uh, product consumption. And while we're, while we're talking um, cruelty-free extending to humans, are we perhaps prioritising animals over humans in some case in terms of beauty sourcing or in terms of the movements that we have. We had an interesting point on a previous podcast that the palm oil that is being vilified currently, um, if production goes down, then a lot there'll be a human cost to that. And and it's the same with several ingredients. Diego, what, what do you think on that front? Well, uh, in the body shop, what we do is um, we take our sourcing extremely seriously. So for us, it's about people, it's about planet and it's about product. Right. And for us, the supply chain is extremely important. The The commitment that we have with our partners, uh, the way that we source uh, um, the human element of it, making sure that our communities um, are being taken care of. We established the community trade program in the body shop. So for us, the human element is extremely important in sourcing. And of course, uh, on testing, y- you know that we've been against animal testing for 30 years now, um, and we're cruelty-free uh, uh, certified. So we, we believe it's it's both of those. Uh, you cannot neglect one uh, and then only say it's, it's only about the welfare of animals, but not about the importance of, uh, of humans that are present in our sourcing supply chain. And do you think with the big brands, um, obviously the Body Shop is a big brand, but set you apart because of the uh, long history of cruelty-free, with the big brands, perhaps it would be fair to say jumping on a vegan bandwagon, there's a danger that that cruelty-free status, which is precious to vegan brands, um, would be perhaps diluted slightly. What do you think, Dominica, um, in the studio? (laughs) Yeah, I think... The consumers need to peel back the layers. Um, If a big brand is claiming vegan, you know, look at the other brands in the portfolio, um, look at their behaviours internationally. Um, It's, you can't take what a brand says, um, you know, at the forefront and and you have to, as a consumer, be inquisitive and really understand what these terms mean because, yeah, a lot of brands you can see are jumping on the bandwagon and it dilutes the message and it dilutes the importance of the brands that are really getting out and getting those certifications. Um, I even saw the other day a, a big brand that was claiming to be cruelty free you know loads of people snap them with um you know big booths in china selling through the biggest pharmacy chain in china and they claim that they were cruelty free but there's absolutely no way that brand could be selling at that scale in china and still be cruelty free so i think certifications are really key when it comes to cruelty free and vegan because it means that a third party has really audited that supply chain end to end and that's particularly key for cruelty free because it's not just your formulation that hasn't been tested on animals it's making sure that each ingredient that you use also hasn't been tested on animals so yeah i think you have to you have to ask the questions and be a savvy consumer but i think with the rise of of social media and and the internet generally you know consumers are incredibly savvy um, and you can't just throw these terms around without having the the authenticity and the values behind it um, you know if you look at the forefront of our brand we're an incredibly ethical brand the decisions that we make are wholeheartedly done with the environment and environment in- encapsulates animals humans planet you know we really think about our end-to-end supply chain but we still are quizzed and pulled apart and you know attacked when we say something that isn't 100 percent valid or or doesn't have that ground to it so um i think consumers are much savvier and we should give them more credit and we should encourage them to challenge brands as well and as a brand we always say thank you for highlighting this please always give us feedback always challenge us always question us because that means that they will go and do that with other brands as well 
Natasha, what do you think? Yeah, my responsibility is when brands come to us and say, oh, there's a trend in this or there's a vegan thing, should we be doing something about that? Is to really scrutinise them and say, hold on, you know, transparency is so important for brands to be right now. You can't, consumers, as you said, are already savvy. They will pick apart a brand. If you say that you are vegan, people want to know how. And it's also seeing it holistically as well. So veganism... Yes, but also, you know, the environmental stuff can impact animal habitats and stuff like that as well. And people are going further and further back. What's the impact on you doing this onto other aspects of your supply chain? How does that impact the animal? But from a branding point of view, obviously brands do come up to us and say, there's a trend in this, what do we do? But it is my responsibility to make sure that they are fully transparent and there's no holes in that because consumers will find out. And Domi, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think we, we as vegans are not fooling ourselves, you know, that those big companies have suddenly turned compassionate and ethical. Um, I think they're obviously doing that because they're a business and they see um, a huge demand in vegan cosmetics, which actually helps veganism to become mainstream, which is a great thing. Although, like Dominica mentioned, there's always a danger of diluting the message, which we have to be mindful of. So, yeah, that's that's a good and bad thing at the same time. And while we're talking the eco-ethical side, is it the case that some plant-based ingredients are caused for environmental concern when they're produced at scale? Does vegan have the scope to become mainstream without damaging the environment to keep to those ethical practices? Diego, what's your... It's definitely about the supply chain, right? So um, it's about it's about the transportation. It's about who's doing that. It's about a high-skill industrialization. So... For example, our vegetable oils that we use in our formulation, our coconut oil we source from a small community in Samoa. We make sure that they're that they're well kept uh, care of, um, and uh, and that we formulate close by to 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 distribute them globally. There are other oils that we use, like sunflower oil, for example, that we that we use in bigger industrial um, frameworks. But we make sure again that our manufacturing uh, capacities close by so that the transportation doesn't affect that, doesn't have a, a strong um, carbon footprint impact uh, in, in the final product. So it, in reality, it is, it's all about managing, again, that people, the planet and the product and making sure that we're improving ourselves year on year in having less of a biodegradable impact, less of a carbon footprint on the, uh, on the world. Um, so... It's difficult to formulate with ingredients that are wildly existing and harvested. We just need to make sure that on the supply chains that we have, that we make sure that we uh, we take care of them as much as possible. Dominica, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think that continual improvement is a really key thing because I think as more research is done around sustainability as a whole, um, and that encompasses all of the things that we've been talking about, um, the best thing might change. And we as a business have to be ready to adopt the best thing at that time as research is developed. Um, So a couple of things that we do as a business, there's no stamp of approval for sustainability um, as it's a constant evolution. But also for beauty, it's a very new thing. There's not a lot of companies outside of maybe us too, the body shop and buy there are talking about sustainability for beauty. So we have developed a self-auditing um, grading system internally, which we call the green score. We look at the provenance of each of our ingredients. We make sure that they are s- harvested from a sustainable source, but we also look at how far they've traveled. Um, so we've identified a couple of ingredients that we use that we source from, you know, South Korea or, or these kind of exotic places. And I think beauty's always been guilty of the exoticness. Let's get the 
you know, newest and craziest ingredient from a small island in South Korea. No, that and that from an efficacy point of view, it doesn't always translate as well. So we're cutting out all of those ingredients and looking at ingredients that are sustainably harvested, that have a low carbon footprint, that aren't water intensive, that travel by road rather than plane. We've switched to grass paper, which is material that's made from grass rather than wood pulp is 80% more sustainable than traditional wood pulp. Um, you know, there's there's so much that we do, but there's a constant evolution um, and that's really key. And, and as a brand, we should be okay to say, hey guys, we were doing this, but actually we found a better option. That ingredient that we've been using isn't actually as sustainable as we thought. As we've peeled back the layers of the supply chain, we're going to make a change, but just bear with us. And I think, yeah, it's really important to, to do that. But to answer your original question, yes, I think vegan can be sustainable. Sustainable. You just have to look at the provenance of each of your ingredients for sure. I think it's important for customers to remember that actually all ingredients have an environmental impact and we can only strive to minimize it like these two brands are doing rather than try to eliminate it altogether. And we find that lots of vegan products actually use um, ingredients that are natural or organic or mineral. And those tend to actually be more planet friendly than your regular ingredients. And let's not forget that to produce an animal product as opposed to a plant product, you have to um, breed an animal who will eat a lot of food, drink a lot of water throughout their lives, and they will also produce a lot of waste, all of which has a huge impact on the environment, and it wastes a lot of resources as well. So all those things taken into account, it actually pales in comparison to plant-based ingredients. Um, And just on the point of um, human rights as well, you can, of course, as a vegan, you can care more about more than one issue. And you find that most vegan-friendly companies like Body Shop or Bybee, you find that they actually are very ethical in all ways. Um, So those two things are not mutually exclusive for sure. Elodie? The key word uh, that everyone said uh, right now and what I really like is the uh, continuous improvement to, uh, to implement in all our company uh, a lean process uh, to really improve ourselves and to uh, implement traceability on your supply chain is really key. Uh, what is also important uh, from my point of view is the collaboration uh, to really select the partner we are working with for uh, raw materials. Uh, but also for packaging. And um, uh, for example, this week, uh, we were announced as a finalist of the um, Concours Cosmebio. So uh, it's a cosmetic uh, concourse. And um, we wanted to partner with a French company called Biocop. So uh, it's really an organic, well-known uh, company, so for food, but also cosmetic. And they have high uh, standard to select uh, their customer. And uh, they want a full visibility uh, and traceability until uh, the raw material, the country where you source and so on. So collaboration and, um, is key. And uh, in this uh, phase, we had good news and we are in process to collaborate with, uh, for example, companies such as Guayapi, which are uh, quite known uh, to have a really good traceability of their plants uh, to protect also the local population and the uh, environment around. So, uh, yeah, it's all a question of uh, continuous improvement and selection of our partner. While we're on the subject of packaging, a lot of vegans are motivated by environmental concerns, as we've already discussed. Natasha, do consumers understand that vegan isn't necessarily zero waste or recyclable? And should it be? I think it would depend. (laughs) Obviously, vegans tend to be lifestyle choice, not just about 
what you eat. It's a kind of a more holistic thing. So in that case, those people will be looking beyond that and they will recognise that it doesn't necessarily mean sustainability. So they'll be looking for both. I don't think people would associate them both with each other, but does that mean they don't care about both? No. So it's up to brands to make sure they do both. Dominique? Yeah, I think I think they're all interlinked. I think a lot of the motivations for being vegan, um, whether it's through beauty or whether it's through food or fashion, is actually interlinked back to the environment. So, of course, those individuals are going to be concerned around um, the, the packaging that comes in those products. You know, sustainability doesn't just nod to one or the other. It's a holistic view across someone's entire supply chain. Um, so definitely, and I think, again, it, it nods back to everything that we've been talking about. You can't be a brand and be vegan and then, you know, <laughs> not be cruelty-free and then use loads of plastic in your packaging and then have a massive carbon footprint and, you know, have issues around human rights and the sourcing of your raw materials. These things are all interlinked and people will question. So if you're going to endeavour to be an ethical brand, you have to look end-to-end supply chain and look where those gaps are and make continuous improvement. For us, we agree with the fact that it's sustainably and ethically interlinked, uh, but we must not confuse vegan with zero waste packaging. I think they're two very different things. Um, In terms of ethics, of course, they find a common ground. But for us, it's more about educating on uh, on the different ways that we can manage packaging. Because let's also remember that zero waste packaging is great if it really is zero waste. But if it's been transported in a pallet, uh, if it comes in packaging and then gets uh, opened up in store to be shown to the customer, then is it really zero waste packaging? So in the body shop, what we're doing, for example, is that we know we use plastic, but we're using plastic wisely. So we've launched a Plastics for Change campaign this month where we're working with waste pickers in India to make sure that we integrate plastic into our production um, that is already existing in the environment because plastic takes more than thousands of years to biodegrade. So it's about getting that closed loop system and using what is already existing to make sure that we respect that ethical common ground that we were talking about. At the same time, in the body shop, we've joined with TerraCycle for a campaign of uh, return, recycle, and repeat. Again, this closed-loop system. So all of your plastic uh, beauty products that you have, regardless of them being the body shop or not, we're able to bring back into store so that we go back into this closed-loop system. So great for people that are uh, doing zero-waste packaging properly, but uh, we want to make sure that... uh, that, that we have a true stance on plastic and on packaging. And Elodie? Yeah, sorry. So for me, it's a really a passionate question because, um, in fact, the, um, uh, the packaging is really part of your product. And um, and what, it, what is exciting is that the expectation of your customer uh, push you to innovate. Uh, just to tell uh, our story, uh, we wanted to bring... Um, a really ethical brand uh, into the environment of a primary uh, and luxury uh, fashion uh, and beauty. And uh, it was it was really difficult to get a, a transparent uh, packaging without plastic because we wanted to, to sew our lipstick through the plastic. We were challenged by our customer a lot, uh, but also by all the certification for sure. And uh, we were really happy to find for the first time in the beauty, uh, packaging uh, sourced with um, vegetal oil. So it's uh, a launch that we will do in a couple of months, and uh, we are really proud uh, that um, the 
the expectation of the customer and uh, uh, all this uh, trend uh, evolve because it push um, uh, the different brain to innovation. And I really hope that in some uh, uh, months or, or years, every company can use this kind of um, uh, raw material for their packaging, uh, which is really biosourced and uh, recycled. So let's talk about positioning of vegan, because I think we can certainly say that's changed enormously over the last let's say even three years, that, that vegan is now um, considered luxury um, and certainly the millennials are not necessarily going in to buy the, the hippiest brand on the, on the shelf. They, they want the, the whole package, don't they? They want something that looks good in their bathroom and is also aligns to their ethics. Um, Natasha, what, what would you have to say on the positioning of vegan beauty right now? Well, I think... Some mentioned previously, as you said, that people are looking for um, brands that share their values, that have an interesting story, that make great products. Veganism and sustainability are becoming more of a given. Like They're becoming more and more of a hygiene factor. You're not going to stand out by just saying, we're a vegan brand. That's just not enough. It's like veganism is part of our values as a sustainability, as a people. Um, but we create great cosmetics and We've got a, a great story around us. So it really isn't about positioning your brand as being vegan. You can talk about that and explain it, but it's not the reason why people will buy you because there's lots of competition now. There's lots of brands that can be vegan. It's about shared values, but then you have to have an interesting story, a great visual identity that stands out and that people really engage with. What do you think, Dominica? Do people come to you because you're vegan or because of the they, your products look good or they work? What what, yeah. what is the motivation for people to buy? I think first and foremost, um, we are always a high-performance skincare brand that delivers results in healthy skin. That is our modus operandi. That is our reason to be. That is the first message that anyone receives from Bybee because we don't want people to feel like they have to compromise. And I think Elodie mentioned earlier, you know, people have to readjust um, their expectations of performance. I disagree. I think that let's challenge ourselves to make vegan skincare as efficacious and high performance and having that wake up immediate wow factor as, you know, mainstream beauty. Why not? It tends to be better formulated. The potency, um, the ethics behind it, everything nods to the fact that it should be a higher efficacious product. Um, because people won't necessarily compromise. People want great skin. We're selling beauty products. We're buying beauty products. It's a vanity proposition. So I think it's really important um, to make sure that first and foremost, the message is performance. Um, because if you're going to create positive change, you have to do it at scale. And if people think that your product is niche or they have to compromise, you're just not going to be able to scale in the way that you're going to impact any of the kind of sectors that we're all talking about anyway. Diego, you're nodding. What, what do you have to add? Yes, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're looking at a market that is still quite small with the beauty industry. Right? We're looking about 5% of the market today um, is, is vegan beauty. And the population right now um, is still a small population. So yes, there's vegans that will actively search for vegan products, but our global customer in its majority won't be vegan. So they'll look at it as a reason to believe in marketing terms. But if the product, as Dominica was saying, is not delivering in terms of efficacy, so if you're looking for a skincare product, uh, it's about uh, the visual um, effects that you see on skin, for example, a body product might be about the moisturization levels. If we're not delivering that with uh, our supply chain and the sourcing that we've chosen to do, then then customers won't buy it. 
Um, so for us in the body shop, it's about empowering women and empowering all genders. And at the same time, natural ingredients source ethically that work on skin. And then our reason to believe is, of course, linked to vegan and vegetarianism. While we're talking global, is this a global thing or is it a Western thing? Do we get veganism everywhere at the same scale? Is there the same demand everywhere or is it just something that's of interest in, in Europe and North America? Diego? It's it's a very interesting question, actually. I've been studying on vegan a lot these mm. past years. Um, and we see this as a real trend in the West. And when you start looking at the East, there's many Asian languages that do not actually understand vegan. So they understand it as it being linked to natural. They understand it as being linked to uh, vegetarianism. But that word doesn't actually exist. So as the body shop and as beauty brands... Um, I think we have a role to educate the customer as to what vegan means, right? What's the difference between vegetarianism and veganism and why our products have that role for the customer. So in response to your question, it's definitely a trend that is seen more in the Western world. It's starting to creep into the Asian markets and we see it as a great opportunity for education. Domi, what's your perspective? Is veganism a Western thing or, or are vegans united everywhere? So sadly, we are quite limited at a vegan society with our research just measuring the number of vegans in Great Britain. Um, but just from my experience as a press officer, I can definitely um, see news coming from all over the world, you know, concerning veganism these days. So it's um, definitely coming up on the agenda in different countries. And we've even been contacted by some people abroad um, in Asian countries who want to set up vegan societies there. So I think slowly it is being recognized and restaurants are popping up and brands are um, releasing vegan products. And I'm myself quite a big fan of K-Beauty products, um, which a lot of them are actually happen to be cruelty-free. So it's it's a really good thing that it's, um, you know, being presented as um, as a global trend rather than just limited to here in the West. Um, although I agree with, with everyone that obviously it's much more visible here than in those other countries, but I'm sure they will follow suit soon. I mean, we have uh, Cosmax um, who went for Eve certification and got it. And we have Johannesburg-based My African Skincare, which is an entirely vegan line, um, and IGK, which launched in Southeast Asia last summer. So that there's interest there. I mean, how about you, Elodie? I mean, I, I might be... Um, uh, slightly stereotyping here, but you do live in the land of steak. How's the vegan message going down in France? Yeah. So, uh, in fact, uh, just in terms of um, difference, uh, for me, it's more a, a country culture thing. I had an experience um, uh, because we are running the Veggie World uh, events, and uh, when we are selling in France, they are more focused and they, the customer asks more questions on the um, natural aspect of your formulation and the organic ingredients that you can have in Germany. When we are doing a veggie world in Germany, it's totally different. They are really focused only on the vegan uh, question uh, and elements. Uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, what I can answer to you. <laughs> Great. And uh, let's let's talk about retail a little bit, because there's also been development there, hasn't there? I mean, we've got plans for an entirely vegan e-commerce site um, getting funding. Sainsbury's has gone into vegan beauty, um, which is a UK supermarket. And Holland and Barrett has launched uh, vegan-only stores. I mean, Diego, from a retailer's perspective, are, do you have a vegan section? How are you marketing it in-store? 
Yes, to answer to your question, all of our stores have uh, vegan lists. Um, depending on our markets, we have vegan sections. Uh, as, as I've said before, about 60% of our catalog um, is vegan. Um, so then it depends on which markets pick up each product and then on the relevance of vegan for that market. So it's on a case-by-case basis, um, of course. We do see that the retail landscape is changing um, massively, and it's not only in beauty, it's also in food specifically. I mean, uh, you you might have all read this week, but Pret uh, bought Eat, and uh, they've decided to to launch all uh, veggie Prets. So it's not vegan, but at least it's that step on the right direction. And we see this happening uh, in the fashion industry, we see this happening in the food industry, and then obviously on the beauty industry as well. Dominica, do you want to add to that? I mean, our two main distributors are Sephora and Boots, um, so very kind of mass high street retailers. Um, They necessarily haven't carved out space for vegan. Um, It's certainly in the UK, Boots have communicated that there's a huge demand for that and cruelty-free. Again, people probably think they go hand in hand, so there's probably misconceptions around the volume of inquiries around vegan, but um, definitely that is a massive USP for us in market. There's not necessarily spaces carved out. I don't think there's enough vegan skincare that is mass. Um, a price point often is is a stumbling block for a lot of brands as well because you find as soon as you move into this space, there is a premium price tag that's attached. Um, so from affordability within Boots, there's just not enough brands. Um, but I think the natural element probably is what we're in curated sections more for. Um, you know, definitely in Sephora, where amongst other natural brands, um, and that is a massive USP for us as well. But, you know, again, first and foremost, you know, we're about high performance skincare and almost the vegan message is secondary because as soon as we've converted someone to our brand, they're automatically buying less non-vegan products um, and they might not be vegan. They might not even realize that we're vegan, but for us that we're championing that and that's a win for us. So, Actually, we don't want to be in niche curated sections. We want to be alongside all the K-beauty brands and all the independent brands um, that, you know, a lot of consumers are desiring because then if someone buys our product, we just win from a vegan perspective anyway. <laughs> Natasha, anything to add? Yeah, because I've worked quite a lot in retail and in supermarkets specifically and vegan food has been just, everyone's been creating ranges from Tesco, Marks and Spencers, like really good, great vegan food, and but it's really clearly signposted vegan and food. But it's what's interesting, if you're in that supermarket and then you go to the beauty section, it's probably quite challenging for consumers because vegan doesn't stand out because you're trying to put, make your brand about high-performance skincare rather than veganism. So there is an issue with signposting in store. But um, don't really let things like super drugs pop up stores and telling people that they've got a vegan identity and a vegan brand is really exciting. And Elodie? Yeah, so for um, for the niche aspect, um, but as I told you, uh, we want as a indie brand show uh, show the path to uh, the big industry. Uh, so um, I hope it will not still uh, a niche uh, a long time. It's all about um, educating our customer and uh, to spread the good message. And uh, today we have a lot of tools like uh, digital tools and network uh, and uh, really the education of people uh, are raised um, more and more. So um, I hope uh, everyone will continue in this uh, trend. And Domi, anything to uh, add on retail developments? 
Yeah, I think we, uh, as a vegan community, we've historically been associated with perhaps some stereotypes, so, um, you know, positive or negative ones. Um, And I think what everyone's been saying, that marketing your product as vegan um, primarily may not be the best strategy. So actually, it's rather than being a vegan product, it's it could be just a great product that happens to be vegan. And I think that's um, the right way to go. Um, and some people even choose not to market the products as vegan altogether because of um, some customers actually being put off by the label um, of veganism um, because obviously it's got some um, connotations which are not necessarily um, positive for everybody. But I think if you include that as part of your message, but perhaps not focus your message on that entirely, then you can really make your brand um, more have a more of a mainstream appeal rather than um, just appealing to this 1% of the population, vegan niche, if you like. Um, but having said that, I think retailers are recognizing the demand for vegan products and they see that there is profit to be made from this and obviously expanding the ranges and um, making them more inclusive. And the good thing is that sometimes it only takes just one or two ingredients to veganize a product um, so it's not even um, you know a huge time and resource investment for many companies so I think a lot of them are looking into the um, what goes into their product and trying to make those decisions that will result in uh, more customers being inclusive and obviously as a result then um, the brand being more ethical as well. And uh, to sum up, where where do we think we'll be in say five, ten years' time? Are we, as you've sort of suggested, are we going towards um, all beauty products are going to be vegan simply because why not? Why why exclude some customers? Diego, what do you think? Maybe not in five and ten years, um, but this is definitely a trend that's not stopping. I think that for for larger companies, uh, the big difficulty is we understand the trend now. How do we keep our formulation standards and we reformulate part of our catalog, uh, if that's if that's the case, to respond to the trend, right? So there's, uh, and this can't be done overnight. So um, five years, uh, 10 years, uh, 20, 30 years, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll start seeing more of it. I'm not sure that the beauty industry is going to flip on its head uh, 100%. As I was saying, it's it's also because vegan is is a lifestyle, right? It's not going to be the the reason for purchase for that product. Um, so you have to be conscious that your product is still and I'm, for for us that's the case. For example, we need our products to deliver um, in terms of efficacy um, and sensoriality, um, and 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 obviously considering uh, all of the other trends in the markets. Um, so to answer to your question, we're we're very happy that we're going to be putting new, incredible vegan products uh, in the market. A, a full 100% vegan beauty industry. I'm not sure we're going to see it in five to 10 years. Dominica? I think, yeah, I think consumers have to understand for big brands, reformulating is a hugely costly and quite labor intensive exercise. Is actually it worth, you know, discarding product that already exists in favor of reformulating for vegan? Um, not entirely convinced. I think formulating vegan isn't 
as hard as people think in skincare. I think color cosmetics is a different scenario, but actually in skincare, I mean, you don't use that many animal-derived ingredients. It's just making conscious choices. So I think MPD going forward, it would be great to see more brands committing to to be vegan, like The Body Shop, um, things like beeswax, honey. You know, there's great alternatives for that. You don't necessarily need to use them. Um, and then I think in terms of the market, I think veganism will always be a niche um, because I think that it's a really challenging lifestyle to uphold end to end. I would love to be vegan. I'm vegetarian. Um, but I think from you know a food perspective, I would find that diet quite restrictive. I don't know if it's the best thing for my body. So I think veganism as an end to end lifestyle won't ever be on mass. Um, but I think as you know, we start to understand the environmental footprint of our behavior, more people will look for non-animal or animal-like lacked alternatives. Um, so the market needs to be ready for that. But I don't think it will ever be, you know, an entirely mainstream thing. And Domi, what do you think? I mean, I, I take the point of Dominica that that vegan, in terms of the food that you eat, is is far more challenging than, than finding vegan beauty alternatives, isn't it? And I think that's fair to say that somebody who eats meat, um, guilty as charged, would choose cruelty-free beauty because, you know, beauty is not necessarily your your daily, it, it's an extra, isn't it? I mean, it's not something that you would want to see somebody suffer for. What do you think, Domi? Mm, yeah, what we find in our charity work is that a lot of people actually just have this preconception about veganism being difficult, but the most difficult part is actually just making the decision to do it. So after they, they've done it, they find that it's not as difficult as they thought at all because we have so many wonderful vegan options now in restaurants, supermarkets, and of course, coming back to vegan beauty as well. It's something that every one of us could be doing. So you don't actually have to be vegan to agree that animal testing is, is horrendous. And I think if more people were aware of what sort of things are actually done to those poor animals who are used in the testing industry, they wouldn't want to support this with their money. So um, most people actually consider themselves to be animal lovers. And I think vegan brand values um, sort of align with those people's ethical beliefs. Um, And again, we talked about the environmental concerns as well, which are increasingly being mentioned, uh, whether it's in the news or through reports. I mean, we've seen all these things about climate change. So actually being vegan or at least making vegan purchases um, are a very significant things that we can do as individuals to help tackle this huge problem that we are facing currently with with our planet. Um, and if if it's not you know all of us c- coming together, then what's going to to change? You know, it's it's up to every individual um, to do as much as they feel able to um, to for the good of animals and the environment as well. Elodie, Natasha, anything to add? What I've noticed a lot in food. It- is obviously a lot of people are making vegan choices, but who aren't entirely vegan because there's not really a compromise and the f- vegan food has like got up in quality so much, people are actively choosing it. And then you get to the point, it's like there's, it's not that difficult for me to make vegan options, even though they don't become 100% vegan. So I think that will stretch into skincare and beauty because you'll be like, why not? Why not choose vegan? It's a better option. And that's the thing, as it becomes less of a compromise, well, it isn't a compromise now, but as it becomes more available and less of a compromise, more people will actively choose it so they might not be 100% vegan but as you said already you would choose cruelty free but you eat meat so again people will be like why not why not choose the vegan option mm-hmm. Elodie for me it's uh, not a, a trend but it's a standard since the beginning it's also part of, uh, of my story it's more a question of awareness uh, people do the, the choice 
when they, they learn more about the impact and their choice, uh, the impact of their choice, in fact. So it's all about awareness. Uh, I, I wasn't a vegetarian um, uh, before I started the project. Uh, it's um, because uh, I was pregnant and uh, I wanted to really have a, a better healthy product uh, and also lipstick because I used to, to have a really uh, beautiful red lipstick. Uh, it gives me strength. And uh, I, I, I wanted to, um, to develop as a biotech engineer my own formulation. What I did when I launched uh, La Maison Le Rouge Français, and um, in fact, uh, I, I discover all uh, this um, for sure this trend, and I meet a lot of uh, person, a vegan person uh, within the vegan community. And um, more I learn about the impact, as my colleague said, uh, it's not uh, difficult uh, when you you take uh, the choice to do it after all. For everyone, it's a question of um, adaptability, and it's part of the human evolution, in fact. Uh, so it's really a question of habits. And uh, it's like uh, less sugar or uh, less is more trend or slow cosmetic. It's really a, a question of choice. And uh, when you do it, um, it's part of your life. Thank you. And I'd like to thank everyone for taking part today. Thank you, Diego. Thank you, Dominica. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Elodie. And thank you, Dominica, on the phone. And thank you to our audience for listening. Until next time. <laughs>